Well, what's happening? How are you getting on? Larry here, writer and artist over at LarryGMcGuire.com. It's Saturday, 24th of February. I hope you're well today. It's afternoon now, Dublin time, uh, late afternoon. We're expecting snow next week, so we're told. We'll see how that goes. I hope we get a big snow. Big snow is good. I was talking about that a little while back. Uh, Patrick from We Live on a Planet called in to say that he's <laughs> he's sick and tired of big snow. Because where he is, he gets a lot of it. But we get very little of it. Every 10 years, I'd say, we get a big snow. And uh, it's probably over 10 years now. But we're due on. <clears throat> we're due on later this week. So I'd like to see that. Uh, but anyway, back to the current moment in time. Today I have a new article for you. And uh, it's titled, The New Religion. And the righteous menace. And essentially what it talks about is uh, how in this country, in Ireland where I'm from, uh, religion had uh, a very, very, very big influence over society. And how people moved, how people interacted, who was good, who was bad, what was lawful, what was unlawful, what was appropriate, uh, who was appropriate to be allowed mix in regular everyday society who should be locked away and for what reason uh, who was holy and who wasn't who was worthy of the love of God <laughs> as if it doesn't exist and you have to earn it you know so this institution <clears throat> I think in Ireland it was uh, it, it, it became uh, a particular beast, you know, and it did become a beast. That which was holy became unholy. The depths of depravity that Catholicism and other religions too, Catholicism was not on its own. Protestantism, uh, Christianity in general, went full circle in that regard in this country. Uh, children were punished and beaten sexually abused uh, those who were uh, fornicating out of wedlock were institutionalized children were taken from families from from mothers sold for money lands were taken away and given to religious organizations it's outrageous what went on and we're living with the remnants of it today uh, there's still a bit of a hangover from it. Lots of people, maybe in their 60s, 70s, 50s, 60s, 70s, who went through these institutions, whether it was as a means of education or whether it was a, a psychological institution or a, or so a supposed care home. Um, there's a lot of people who, living today who bear the scars, deep, deep scars of what uh, was done in this country in the name of God, you know. It's outrageous. It's outrageous. Any other institution would be torn down and removed. But this institution seems to uh, have some longevity. Now, their ideals and philosophies are born from the right place. But when any one organisation, when any one ideology or thought system becomes dominant and cannot be questioned, whether it's a religious one or not, it could be a social one or a political one, um... Whatever good place it was born from, 
disappears in time because unchallenged it becomes poisonous and uh, detrimental to those within it and out of it too and that's what happened here Um, because these things must always be challenged all institutions that become dominant must be challenged by the people and by artists in particular by alternative thinkers by scientists by um, the unpatriotic <coughs> by the uh, non-denominational individuals the ones that can't be counted the ones that don't belong the ones that maybe straddle the borderline between these ideologies and not should always be challenged and questioned and uh, there's a certain righteousness begins to grow inside these organisations and how dare you question the morality of our thought and our idea and this is, it exists now even today in certain respects it exists in, in education where educators and lecturers for example would not dare be questioned by students how dare you you know <laughs> I <laughs> in one of the classes that I attend we have a lecturer like that you know he's incapable actually of teaching shouldn't be teaching um and we have it uh still uh, at uh, civic levels in the government and stuff because recently my wife was um uh, forced not forced but compelled to attend a mindfulness course she doesn't need that this idea and when she questioned her she was asked how she got on she didn't like it it's not her bag she's a nurse she works in a hospice she cares for people who are dying. She has a, a an, an absolute fine-tuned um, sense of what it means for people to be on the way out and to be moving through that particular experience and has chosen to enter that space to offer her time and her career towards caring for people. She knows this stuff. She doesn't she she knows it from her own individual level she doesn't need a mindfulness course uh, but yet she was asked to attend to her for her and her position is valid and she's not the only one who holds it to her it was bullshit and she didn't exactly say that per se to her superiors but she did tell them what she felt that it shouldn't be uh, compulsory that it should be optional and that people shouldn't be um sent on these courses uh, without their consent it shouldn't be a contractual contractual thing with regard to a job no more than religion should be or that religion should be in our schools any religion certainly our children should be taught uh, the skills to deal with life's challenges but it should be done in a secular way so i'm talking about this today and this um, oh, I should say that her superiors were somewhat offended by her uh, views because you're not supposed to question that, you know. You, it, you're not supposed, supposed to que- question the rightness of mindfulness practices. But mindfulness has almost become institutionalized. It's indoctrinated now almost. And this is what happens to good ideas. 
This is what happens to the fundamental truth, is when people get a hold of it and begin to document it and begin to roll it out as policy and begin to insist that people must do these things because to do them is to become righteous and to become a good moral uh, citizen uh, of the world, you know? <laughs> Fuck off, you know? Honestly, I mean that. I meditate. I like the quiet. I've spoken about that here before. You've listened to me. You know my position. But that's me. That's for me. I don't buy in to this group think that we must belong to a particular idea or ideology or way of thinking in order to be valuable, legitimate people, citizens. No. We each have our own valid experience in the world and that should be respected. Any of this stuff that requires us to belong or to be a part of a system of thought is flawed fundamentally and ends up becoming a beast. And that's the danger here. So I'm writing about that today. I'm writing about that, uh, the new religion and the righteous menace. So uh, that's coming up next. You want to hear my views? You want to find out where, uh, well, you've already heard them, but you want to get the detail. You want to listen to this article. Well, it's coming up next, so uh, stay tuned for the joy and the fun of it all. It's Saturday the 24th of February, I'm Larry G. Maguire. Welcome to the Daily Article. The New Religion and the Righteous Menace. There's a new religion taking hold. In fact, there are many of them, lurking in the minds of righteous and well-meaning people. In my country, Ireland, the unobstructed march of the righteous, well-intentioned, well-meaning in their pursuits, ultimately brought about the exact opposite to that which they preached. The Catholic Church and their unconscious disciples held high the moral benchmark for society, so high in fact that none of us could reach it. The Church ruled the state. Attention to religious doctrine dictated and drove policy with regard to everything from schooling to healthcare and beyond. No corner of surface-level Irish society could escape the insidious influence. Things have certainly changed for the better, but a hangover remains. Many adults who were on the receiving end of the church's moral guidance still suffer. These days in the vacuum, it seems, there exists a new religion, or maybe it's the same thing, only wearing different clothes. As usual, a story or two. It was Pancake Tuesday recently. My kids love Pancake Tuesday. The making of the batter the night before... The telling to their friends of how many pancakes they had and what fillings were in them. What kid doesn't love the novelty of it all? But when we were kids, there was a significant religious tone to this time of year. The church calls it Shrove Tuesday, a day of reflection in the religious calendar. It is commonly for this day to have been a day of self-castigation for many fundamentalist thinking Christians. This time of year was filled with church going and the palpable inner feeling that we kids were guilty of something horrendous. We had grievously sinned and now we were needed to display our unreserved remorse. Crisps and sweets were off the menu. No more sugar on your porridge or your cornflakes for about seven weeks. And then gorge yourself on Easter eggs. Abstinence and remorse, for what God knows, was the order of the day. The following day, Ash Wednesday, we would receive the sign of the cross in ashes on our heads from the priest. When I think about this practice now, which still goes on by the way, I wonder have we progressed at all from those extremely naive times. I had thought that church influencing state affairs was dead or at least dying out, but apparently not. 
on Ash Wednesday this year, the first day of Lent, some bloke came in unannounced to my son's classroom and placed ashes on the foreheads of the children. What's that in your head? I asked him when he came home from school. Ashes, he said. A man came in today and gave them to all the boys. For what? I don't know. It's something to do with Lent, he said. So they didn't tell you why they were doing this? Did they introduce the man? Was he a priest? I asked. No, he just came in and gave all the boys ashes. Ashes placed on the forehead of children in their classroom by a bloke from outside the education system. Did he give my consent to this? This is about as improper as it gets for me. The new religion. Let me set the scene for you here. My wife, like me, was brought up a Catholic. Her parents would have been the post-war free state new generation. Her father a civil servant, her mother a dedicated housewife. As adults, we'd both left the religion of our birth behind to a large extent, only visiting the church for funerals or friends' weddings. She is a practical woman, very strong in her convictions and dedication to her work, children and home. She can't load a dishwasher, but I can live with that. About 20 years ago, she left the dead-end job in retail to pursue a career as a nurse. The job suits her because she's very much a people person. She cares very much about people and nursing helps her fulfil that need. She's very chatty and approachable too. I'm the opposite. In her job with the local hospital, she cares for people who are leaving this place, a job that requires compassion and a true acceptance of what life and death are all about. To do this job, she left the ICU, where the modus operandi was to make sure people survived regardless of their condition. That often meant that the dignity of and the sense of humanity towards the patient were compromised. She had serious difficulty dealing with this practice. In the hospice there is, by comparison with ICU, an easier atmosphere and an acceptance that people are in transition. The need to survive doesn't come into it. A self-realisation. All of this means that my wife is very much in touch with that something that exists beyond the trials and tribulations of everyday life. She doesn't assign religious or spiritual ideology to it. She knows why she is here. So when she was sent by her employer on a compulsory mindfulness course this week, she had a problem. I just don't buy into that bullshit, she said. It's not for me. There was a time when I would have tried to convince her otherwise, but I understand how I view the world as uniquely mine. Her employer asked her what she thought of the course. I'm not sure she was, he was ready for the response she gave. Apparently he took offence to her telling him that mindfulness was not her bag and it should not be compulsory. People should have a choice, she said. She's right. You see, these days there is an almost sickeningly righteous notion that mindfulness is a good thing for everyone. It's trendy now. The implication is that these ideas from which a well-intentioned come from a well-intentioned place should be rolled out across the board and everyone should take part. This is flawed. The idea that people who are not in that place can somehow be improved by the application of one or other practice or way of life is exactly what got us into trouble with religion. It is perhaps better to understand that when the need is there, the solution will be available. Not before and not by coercion or well-intentioned compulsory adoption. I've seen the benefit of silence. I'm all for greater self-realisation, self-awareness, inner self-connection, etc., but the implementation of a particular ideology without individual consent is not on. Religion and all forms of group, group think towards one ideology or another is a dangerous thing. Our society is much better served where systems of education and training teach skills of self-regulation 
and self-reflection through secular means. And even in that, we need to be vigilant of how these skills are taught. When any good idea is formalised and documented, there is a danger of it becoming institutionalised. The message then is subsequently lost. The world is full of well-meaning people who, having moved through difficult times, want to save everyone else from the prospect of experiencing the darkness. The misunderstanding is that their experience could be the same for everyone, that their inner experience could be yours. It is somehow that the negativity is to be avoided, that maybe the darkness is not valuable. It is that there is no merit in in the depression and the feeling of loss. If you follow this practice, you won't have to experience the other half of what you are. I suggest waking up to the fact that we are both. Well, folks, you've just been listening to episode 103 of the Daily Larb podcast. I'm Larry G. McGuire. I'm a writer and artist over at larrygmcguire.com. If you'd like to check out my stuff, if you'd like to read the article associated with today's episode, if you'd like to check out all the links associated with it, if you'd like to check out my other stuff, other articles may be from the archive. Get over to larrygmcguire.com and check her out. If you haven't got yourself a copy of the Artist Manifesto, that's over there too. Click on the button on the homepage, enter your email address and I'll bang it over to you. I will not spam you. I will not send you shit you don't want. I send you an article every day, if you so choose. Or I will send you Sunday letters, which is essentially the summary of the week. Um, the week's activity. Now I should say that uh, the daily article is going to go on pause for uh, a week or two. Because I have to really get my shit together for this book. It's out on the 2nd of April. And I have a lot of work to do. I have a lot of promotional work to do. And I have a lot of uh, writing to do and editing to do. So I've got to use my time cleverly. Uh, so the daily article will go on pause for a little bit. I uh, hope you're not too disappointed with that. But I promise that I've got some really good shit coming up. So uh, stay tuned on that. I'll still be on here daily. Although the material won't be record- I won't be uh, written. Uh, I'll be on here recording episodes. So thank you very much for listening to today's episode. If indeed you would like to support me in the work that I'm doing. Get over to patreon.com forward slash Larry G. McGuire. Patronage starts at only a dollar a month. And you help me make the time to create more of this stuff. You help me create the time to write and to uh, be creative. And that's what I want to do. I want to get away from the day job. And uh, you can help me do that. You can get a mention in the new book. You can get free stuff too. There's rewards over there. Check them out. LarryGMcGuire.com and Patreon.com forward slash LarryGMcGuire. All right. I'm going to sign off for the day. um, And I shall check you tomorrow for Sunday Letters. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. Take it easy.